the country with your host, Dave Woods. This is the radio show where country music gets up close and personal. Spend some time in the country and get to know our guests. Spend some time in the country where the music's the best. The latest news and memories to great stories that get told. Spend some time in the country, now it's time we start the show. Ontario's own Derek Rattan joins me on the show now to talk about a bunch of things, including nominations at uh, the upcoming CCMA Awards. They take place in London, Ontario this year, uh, just as September starts, and uh, that's a very exciting time. He's got a couple of uh, nominations there. And, man, he's got uh, well one of the nominations is for that huge Blake Shelton song, Came Here to Forget. We'll talk about that, and we'll talk about uh, his most recent album called Take the Week Off on the album. Welcome to the show, Derek. Thanks for having me, Dave. Good to be here. Great to have you here. Always uh, interesting to talk to you, and I have followed your career since uh, When You Come Around came out on the radio back in the day. And I think I heard a story, either you mentioned it on this show or I heard it somewhere else, where it was a station up north, uh, might have been Aurelia, when you first heard that song on the radio and you had a reaction to it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's the, I mean, I'm, uh, I called up my hometown station up, now, my hometown is Bracebridge, Ontario, and this station uh, was in um, either Aurelia or Midland at the time, um, but uh, Kicks. And um, I, uh, yeah, I was there visiting the station on radio tour, and, and it's the station that my mom and dad listened to, so that's why I called it my, wow. my hometown country station. But uh, yeah, I was actually in the control room, and um, uh, Ted Roop, the host, was, he played it, and I remember thinking, I've got to hear this in the car. Uh, that's that's where I want to hear it for the first time. You know, there's something right. about hearing your music in a in a car just because of the way way our culture is and and the fact that we mm-hmm. listen to so much music in the car. At least I do. And so um, I I ran outside with my radio rep and leapt over like a snowbank and got in the rental car and turned it on <laughs> and and heard it. It was really awesome, man. It was really fun. I love that story, not just because of how special it was, but it has a Canadian uh, uh, element to it, of course, jumping over a snowbank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you've got, yeah, when you've got to leap over a snowbank to, to hear your song That's on right. the car radio, you might be Canadian. And then you drive to Tim Hortons and, and keep listening to it. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. That's that is so cool, but yeah, how we listen to songs in a, in a car, uh, that seems more real, I guess. It just seems that's how other hit songs and popular songs are heard, so that's a really cool story. Yeah, and, and um, yeah, I, I I mean, for me, I mean, that's a big part of how even now making records, it's a big part of how I mix mix songs. I'll, I'll In fact, every record that I've made, and, and some of your listeners may not know, but, but I've either produced or co-produced every one of my albums uh, with the exception of that first album. So the last four records I've either produced or co-produced, which usually means, uh, well, it always means that as we're mixing the, the the album, I will take reference copies out to my truck and I'll play them in my truck and I'll make little adjustments, come back in and, and adjust the mix. And, and for me, and even now when I, in fact, I did it tonight, I drove to, uh, to target to get a get buy a record that just came out last week that I have a song on and I played it in the truck. It's kind of a tradition that I have. 
that is really interesting. I just think that's a, that's a cool way of doing it. And uh, I'm going to guess that song, Derek, is uh, Justin Moore's song, uh, Robin Trains. That, you are correct, sir. You are correct, yeah. <laughs> yeah I saw we, that um, online I, that you, you... Oh, did you? I saw that yeah. you had that cut. <laughs> yeah, it's it's exciting. I um, That was a song that um, I wrote with a longtime collaborator of mine, Brett Beavers, um, and, uh, and and Brett and I wrote uh, What Was I Thinking and Model Even Left to Do with Dirks Bentley that Dirks recorded. And um, and also Brett, Brett and I have written other things that I've recorded, like Good Thing Gone off my current record and uh, I Saved Everything and Shine off my, my debut album back a decade or so ago. But, um, yeah, I, uh, Justin cut that song in April and um, the record came out this, I guess, last Friday. And I hadn't had a chance to go buy it yet. So tonight after I got home from writing on Music Row, I dutifully drove to to the record store and, and bought it and did, right. did the old truck listen. And uh, <laughs> and I had heard it before. I mean, I actually bought it on iTunes too. But there's something about that physical copy that I still enjoy mm-hmm. from listening to the disc in the in the truck to, you know, reading the um, the liner notes and what have you. Yeah, I totally can relate to that, as I'm sure most people listening. Uh, reading those liner notes, whether it was on an album or on a, on a CD jacket, I used to love that. So I would always look at the songwriters, too, and uh, the lyrics, of course. And I love that whole experience of the package of the album, not just the song itself. Oh, me too. I mean, that's 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 a big part of what, what got me interested in music, was not just the songs, but I can I can remember sitting in front of my mom and dad's record player in Braceford, Ontario, in in the living room of the house that I grew up in, and 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 looking at um, Creedence Clearwater Revival's Cosmos Factory record, that was my mom's, I guess, mm-hmm. and uh, as a little kid, and just flipping that album over, and and that's when I first realized that um, where the songwriter was actually listed, because under all those songs. It, it was like, you know, up around the bend, J.C. Fogarty, uh, Who'll Stop the Rain, J.C. Fogarty. And I realized, oh, well, that's John Fogarty. He wrote this song. Right. And so growing, you know, and that was probably when I was eight or nine. So from then on, every time I saw where, whether it was a Beach Boys record or a, a Johnny Cash record or, you know, whatever it was that my mom and dad listened to, I was always checking out who wrote the songs. And um, so that kind of interest i think in 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 knowing who not not just who sang it but who wrote it came pretty early for me and as a songwriter for you from uh, those early days derek when you started to write your own songs to present day where you're obviously writing hits for yourself and for other people uh, on a pretty big scale what made you a better writer what did you learn how did you learn from you know the first few songs you write along the way what uh what are some of the ways you became a better writer Oh gosh, I don't know. I I, <laughs> I think <laughs> honestly the the main the main thing um was just doing it a lot. Um and 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 I can't underscore that enough. I mean, I, it and that's the one thing I think that Nashville will teach a new writer when they begin to spend time here is that the guys who the songwriters who are having the most success um write songs all the time. I mean, it's not it's not something where they sit at home and, oh, they feel inspired one day and write a song from top to bottom. I mean, these guys are, are showing up five days a week 
sometimes multiple appointments in a day, grinding it out, even right. after their house is paid for and they're millionaires. I mean, they're still down. And by the way, I'm not in that category. But um, but you know, that the guy the guys who are the most successful, that's it's their work ethic. I mean, sure, there's talent and there is, um, you know, they have to have a certain skill sets that they have honed and, and, and maybe kind of a natural inclination to it. But, but the majority of it is, is just hard work, elbow grease, grinding it out and sharpening those tools, um, sharpening those talents that maybe you, you had a little seed of or an inkling of when you were, were a kid or a teenager. And so for me, I think that is what has made me a better writer is just doing a lot of it. And, um, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not the kind of guy who only writes when he has a record to record. And I mean, some artists are, but it's, it's hard to develop a craft to the point where other people want your songs if you're only writing 12 songs a year because you're making a record. So, so for me, it's, 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 it's about the work ethic and the elbow grease and, and also just, I mean, being honest with yourself early on a big, a big part of me, I think I noticed a dramatic shift in my writing, I guess, level, the level that my songs were at Dave, when I first moved here, I had a, a little cassette of, you know, five or six songs that, that were basically the culmination of all my songwriting talents to that point in my career. And uh, I got to town and immediately went out to the Bluebird Cafe and listened to guys like Don Schlitz, who wrote The Gambler, and Jim Fotoglow, who wrote Fishing in the Dark, and Gary Burr, mm-hmm. who who just had you know a long, long list of these hit country songs, as well as other people, my same kind of level, who had moved here from all over the world to do this. And after listening to the competition about, you know, two weeks into my Nashville career, I put all those songs that I had come to town with, all those great songs, the best that I had, I put them in a drawer yep. and I closed the drawer and I hope no one ever opened the drawer because I just realized <laughs> where the bar was set and the bar was set much higher right. than than I was writing at that time. So, okay. so, so that too, just being really honest with your talent and um, and then – you know, um, just kind of trying to to write up to that level is uh, is is a a huge part of it. I think that's interesting. That's really cool. I love that story. Uh, and to to re- record a song and to write a song like Main Street, nineteen seventy nine, which is obviously a great example of uh, solid songwriting and honesty and all that great stuff. But uh, to 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 release a song like that at the time, Derek. Was it a tough decision because it's obviously a wonderful song, but it's not necessarily a commercial song, you know, in the sense of a poppy radio song? Right. No, I know exactly what you mean. And and it, what's funny about that song is I've I've never, at the, to that point in my career anyway, I, I'd not, I had not written anything that autobiographical. And uh, and it truly is. I mean, it's it's that's the little landmarks and the little things that I talk about in the lyrics in that song. um, I mean, there's nothing made up in there. It's all, it's all true stuff, which, which, um, you know, so when I did that, I, when I made as a songwriter, when you make a decision to kind of be that honest and, and um, almost like you're being a little, 
kind of a historian, you know, um, if, if it's mm-hmm. a reflective song like that, you make a decision that, okay, well, if I'm, if I'm going to commit to this, it's probably not going to be an obvious choice for a single at some point. But I thought, you know what, it's cool. I'm just going to write this, and this is something that I want to say, both for me and, and for my family. And then when I made the live album, Up All Night, we put four new studio tracks on there, and one of those was... Mm. Uh, Main Street 1979 and even when we cut that song in the studio there are things you can do Dave as a producer and an artist when you're in the studio to to kind of steer it into single land so to speak and um, I didn't do any of those things with Main Street 1979 (laughs) because I had no intention of releasing it as a single I mean you know for the first 40 50 seconds it's nothing but a voice and a guitar which is fairly uh, fairly not radio friendly, uh, with 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 exceptions. You know, Miranda's the house mm-hmm. that built me being one. There are exceptions, but uh, but anyway, what happened was I was out on the um, on the uh, CMT Hitless tour with Dean Brody and Aaron Lyons about well, whenever that song came out, six years ago or whatever, and um, mm-hmm. or five years, and I was I we did a stripped down acoustic portion of that. Uh, in that show in the middle of our set where all three of us were on stage playing and I played Main Street in 1979 no one had ever heard it but after the show uh, because it was new after the show people came up to me and that's all they wanted to talk about and I you know at the time as a songwriter you're, you're just you think you're writing your story and what I found on that tour was apparently I was writing um, about other people's stories as well and other people's towns and other people's memories and um so that mm-hmm. was that was such a compliment and when i found out on that tour that it that it kind of had a little more universal appeal than i initially thought i thought you know what more people probably need to hear this so that's what that's what fueled the choice for a single and and luckily for me and some of your listeners may not know this either but i'm um i'm i'm self you know produced and self um, managed for the most part, and I'm on my own record label. So uh, basically, I'm the boss, and I decided that we were going to release that song. So uh, yeah, <laughs> so we did. Thankfully, yeah, great decision, great song, and you know, I love country Thanks. radio for that. That obviously we hear the great obvious hit songs in the sense of poppy and country and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But to have a great ballad that come along, whether it's Whiskey Lullaby or The House That Built Me, Main Street, 1979, that's, I mean, one of the reasons I fell in love with country music way back when, those kind of songs. Oh, absolutely. And, 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 and it's, and so it's crucial that we, that we keep hearing them, you know, as, as you say, mm-hmm. because there, there are so many young fans who, who, that that much like you were pulled into country music, those songs are going to pull them into country music, and yeah. uh, you know I, I and I get it. I mean I, I obviously um, we can't uh, we can't listen to if the radio played nothing but those songs. I mean it, that would be that would be a bad thing too. You know I think it's the variety uh, within our format yes. that makes it strong. Um, but uh, absolutely, but yeah. It's, it's it's nice to every once in a while just get honest and real and damn the torpedoes and uh, and see what happens. 
I was speaking with uh, your good buddy and co-writer and co-producer Jason Blaine uh, very recently, and uh, he he made a comment on you know songs and how they get into other people's lives. And he had a great line: "It's uh, they become a soundtrack to someone else's memories." Oh, that is cool. I like that. I think I'm going to steal that, that line. It really stood around. out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You guys got to do that. I heard that, and yeah. I thought, man, that's a great great way of putting it. The writer and the artist. Uh, comes up with the song, but then, of course, as listeners, it becomes such a part of our lives. I want to talk about Absolutely. Blake Shelton, which yeah, which is big news. We'll do that in just a moment. Uh, let's turn to uh, Don't It Feel Good from your current album. The album's called Take the Week Off. Uh, tell me a bit about Don't It Feel Good, Derek, and then uh, we'll play it here on the show. I wrote Don't It Feel Good with my buddy Jonathan Singleton, who um, I, I write. Uh, we have a standing writing appointment once every two weeks. We uh, we wrote it actually in a little. I was talking about this today to somebody. We wrote it in a little airstream trailer that he had parked behind his house in East Nashville, and um, it was cold that day. But uh, but I think he had a crying baby in the house, so we went out to the trailer and uh, bundled up and and wrote that song. And and you know we were just it was one of those days where we were both in a good mood and and we uh, we wanted to to write something that. Uh, that uh, that our wives would like, and so <laughs> nice. <laughs> and so we wrote that's a good motivation. I wish there was more of a story <laughs> to it than that, Dave. But there's not. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, let's hear that song now from Derek Rattan. This is "Don't It Feel Good" on in the country. Pitches down at the gold rush. Our good time friends are all waiting on us. There's a dime store disco boss, all dust on the floor. Somebody yelling at the band, turn it up a little more. They play Mama Tried and Folsom Prison Blues. But I'm in a working on the night moves kind of mood. Don't it feel good?
Don't feel good Don't feel just right A little rockin' in the swing Just a little And that is Ontario's own Derek Rattan. The song is called Don't It Feel Good. And we have another song from Derek coming up on the show. And uh, talked about it off the top, uh, nomination for uh, the CCMA's Songwriter of the Year, you and Craig Wiseman, of course, who's written tons and tons of hit songs. The two you wrote came here to forget for Mr. Blake Shelton. And that song played all over the radio. Huge, huge, huge song. Uh, let's talk about that. First of all, congratulations on uh, the CCMA nomination. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate that. It's uh, it's always a, an honor to be to be nominated for those because I know that uh, I, it's a you know it's a, it's a very competitive field and it's also funny because we're we're all such good friends and that's not you know that's that's the truth. All those artists and and everybody on those ballots. Right. So it's uh, but it's it's great. I, I it's an honor to be nominated for that for sure. So what's it like the first time? in the case of this song came here to forget and maybe you've sung the song and you've heard that version of it. And now you're hearing Blake Shelton record it uh, prior to going to radio. What's that uh, experience like? It's, it's, it's incredible. You know, it's, it's interesting um, on, on some songs that, you know, how it works. And I mean, you know this, but for your listeners who, who might not be, familiar with the process of how the songwriting goes in Nashville is we'll, once we have a song written, um, it's our job to go in then and make a, what's called a demo, which is like demonstration recording of that song. And then we, you know, when I do demos, I try and make them sound as close to finished records as I can. And that's, you know, I enjoy being in the studio. I love working with the musicians. So that's fun for me. Um, and some songs I will do a vocal on, for an example, with mine would be you. I put a vocal on that song, and and uh, it's interesting because friends of mine um, over the last you know couple of years since mine would be you was out on the radio will say you know I knew that was I knew you had written that song or I had a strong feeling you'd written that song before I knew you did because I could hear Blake doing some of your vocal licks and uh, and which is interesting because I, I I mean I don't really hear that but I. I mean, if you hear my version and his version, I mean, yeah, he's just kind of singing what I sang. Um, but uh, and he didn't he didn't change it up all that much. Um, but with came here to forget my co-writer Craig Wiseman, and as you said, Craig is just a, he's a legendary songwriter, twenty some odd number ones or, or uh, lots and lots of success, um, and many for for uh, for Blake actually. Craig wrote. Uh, Gunna and uh, Hillbilly Bone and Boys Around Here, all for Blake. Right. And uh, anyway, C- Craig sang "Came Here to Forget." It was his vocal, 
Um, and uh, so it was actually, you know, Blake kind of imitating Craig a little bit on that, uh, or not imitating, but taking his kind of cues from Craig's vocal on that particular song. Sure. But uh, but hearing it on the radio, man, is uh, I'll tell you the funny story about that one wasn't actually hearing it on the radio, and I don't think I've told this story yet to um, to anybody. But um, oh, right. I was yeah, this is isn't it an exclusive right here? But, this is an exclusive. Um, was, we need exclusive music. <laughs> we don't right. have any though. <laughs> well, well, yeah, well, for next time. Um, sure. But, uh, I I was um, I was writing in my office on Music Row. Um, with a couple of couple of fellas, and I got a call on my cell phone. This is March second, I want to say, and it was Scott Hendricks. Now Scott is vice president of Warner Brothers Records and head of A and R, and he's also Blake Shelton's producer. And so Scott called me, and I thought, well, I should pick this up. So I answered, and uh, he said, "What are you doing?" I said, "Well, I'm over here writing a song, and my office is actually just next door to the Warner Brothers on um, on Music Row." And uh, I said, I'm over here writing a song. He said, well, when you're done, come see me because I've got something I want to play you. I think it's going to make you very happy. And now when the guy who produces Blake Shelton and is vice president of Warner Brothers says (laughs) he wants to play me something and he thinks it's going to make me very happy, that immediately makes somebody um, excited. (laughs) So uh, needless to say, our our co-write was was pretty much over for the day because I couldn't concentrate. So I went over to Scott's office, and he said, sit down at my desk there, Derek, and put on those headphones. And so I sit down, put on his headphones, and I can see he's got his laptop open. He said, hit the space bar. And I hit the space bar, and I listened to Came Here to Forget. And it sounded awesome. And, um, and I mean, I'm listening on the headphones that he uses to mix his records and, and check his mixes. <laughs> And uh, and and it sounded great. And after the song was over, I actually listened twice, and I gave him the um, the very um, deserved compliments that that uh, that that he deserved because it sounded awesome. Um, he yep. said, "Well, glad you like it. Here's the thing: you've got the next Blake Shelton thing." <laughs> and I mean, my my, I mean, I got kind of emotional because it totally hit me from out of the blue. Normally, when you have a single like when mine would be you we kind of knew it was slotted to be the third or fourth and while they don't really commit to it you hear these rumblings and these rumors that hey you've got a single coming out there was none of that what came here to forget it was just like my publisher found out five minutes before i did and it, oh, it just goodness. hit me like a ton of it hit me like a yeah. ton of bricks and and literally five days later it was on the radio, and I heard it while I was driving into town one morning. It was just so fast, so it was it was a wow. crazy experience, man. That's incredible! What a story, and to have the, the, the it be a surprise, and it just happened so quickly. That's incredible. It is a great song, and I love the production on it too. Aside from the song itself and the vocal, the production they did was that in that initial demo that you guys did, or did they add you know the really cool uh, instrumental part, I guess, or the melody? Yeah. That was part of our original demo. That was actually nice. the part that goes on. That little signature yeah. um, riff was actually a, yeah, we had written that. That was actually a vocal part that Craig was like singing and that they turned into a little keyboard part. And uh, and there's another little kind of hooky 
guitar part under that that was also on on the original. Yeah, but I, I thought the the the, the um, there's so much going on on that record. And Scott Hendricks, the producer, told mm-hmm. me he said, "Man, there's there's over a hundred tracks of there's over a hundred instrumental tracks on this song." Oh wow! There's just there's a ton of of information kind of all working in in you know in harmony with with all the other parts and it's it is an exquisite record it is great song uh in your catalog of songs derek or ones that maybe you're yet to write do you have an artist out there and not necessarily because they're you know a number one artist but maybe for sentimental reasons or just somebody that you would love to have put their voice on one of your songs is there someone that comes to mind uh in that situation George Strait. Nice. Without question. Without question. I, uh, I I got really close on, I want to say it was three albums ago maybe for George, where I wrote a song with my buddy Mark Nessler. Um, and George actually called himself. He heard the song and he called our publishers and he says, guys, I, I love this song and, uh, and I want to, uh, I want to record this. And I mean, when George Strait, when the King himself calls, <laughs> I mean that that's incredible, you know. And and I was mm-hmm. just that's great. The song was called "Never Gonna Get Enough," and um, and as sometimes happens, um, and it's happened to me many times in my career, um, they change their mind. Who knows what happens? But uh, mm-hmm. come come around to record the album, and it just doesn't doesn't work. Uh, Joe Nichols actually ended up ended up cutting that song. Um, so it was, uh, you know, that was, it was cool. Uh, that was on an album of his called It's All Good. But, but yeah, I've never had a, never had a George Strait cut. So I'm, I'm hopeful and, and I kind of need to hurry up because who knows how much, <laughs> who knows, man, you know what I'm saying? You just, yeah. who knows? Yeah. He's, he's retired. He's, he's, retirement. He's, uh, yeah. yeah, I guess I mean, he's retired and then he's not. And then he is, I don't know, but, uh, <laughs> but I might've missed that one. I might've missed that one, Dave, but I'm trying to be optimistic about it. Okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that is so awesome. I just yeah, I love hearing you know who you could uh, hear doing one of your songs. Other than obviously so many artists already that have recorded your songs. Uh, let's turn to uh, the title track from "Take the Week Off," and uh, it's such a cool hook to the song, uh, the message in the song, and, and the meaning of it. Of course, tell me about uh, writing it before we uh, play it here on the show. Well, I wrote Take the Week Off with my buddy Ryan Tyndall, and uh, Ryan is just a great, great, great talent. He uh, he um, he wrote, uh, co-wrote Springsteen um, for Eric Church, and and uh, he's just a ph- phenomenal writer and also a record producer in his own right. And I've known him since he moved to town, and um, we had not written, hadn't seen each other in quite a while, and and I went in there, and and uh, it was actually his idea. He said, "I've got this title," and. And he also had that little guitar riff that I love so much in that song that's kind of the signature guitar line. And he said, what do you think about this? And I said, I think you're a genius, and I'm going to make a lot of money from your uh, genius. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and I said, man, I love it. And and we we wrote it, and, and um, it's you know, it's so strange thinking about all this now because, um, and this kind of is related to your question, but looking back on songs like take the week off, even when you come around, um, there are most of the songs that I've ended up recording were not really written for, with me in mind. And I mean, we wrote take the week off just trying to write a great song and hopefully get a, 
a Luke Bryan cut or whatever, you know. And um, mm-hmm. and when you come around was the same way. I wrote that with Steve Bogard trying to get on a Gary Allen record. But uh, when I when I came time to make what became the Take the Week Off record, um, um, Ryan and I had this little demo, and I was talking to my publisher, Rusty Gaskin, and I said, "Man, do you think I should record Take the Week Off?" And he said, "If you don't record that song for your project, there's something wrong with you." That is a hit song, and uh, and I said, oh, okay, cool, yeah, yeah, and uh, and then we took it into the studio, and and um, I, I loved how it came out, and, and it's uh, it remains one of our most popular songs in concert now. So I'm glad I listened to my publisher. <laughs> well, it's a, it's such a great song and and clever on the level of the turn of phrase, take the week off, which could mean just a vacation, but you're actually taking the week off, the stress, all that comes with it. Uh, I love that uh, spin on the uh, on the phrase. Thank you, thank you. That and I love those types of of phrases, you know. And that was, I think, something mm-hmm. that you know, kind of we Ryan had kind of part of that figured out and then we played it for me we kind of figured the rest out and and uh and yeah i love those i'm always as a songwriter especially as a, as a country songwriter i've always kind of right. got my antenna up for those types of turns of, of phrases and and mm-hmm. uh and and i just i just love them you know i i that's part of what drew me to to country music in the first place so it's uh it's cool yeah. when 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 you still you know can hear those in contemporary country music Absolutely. It's a great uh, foundation of the songwriting, those, those turns of phrases. Let's hear the song now, the title track from the current album from my guest, Eric Rattan, Take the Week Off on In the Country. We could go downtown, meet our friends, check out a band, get good and loud. You could put on that red dress, makes my head spin round. We could sneak off and take the week off. Start with your ponytail, girl, won't you shake it loose? Slip out of that dress, strip off your troubles too. Go ahead and leave a trail for me to follow. at a time gonna melt the stress and hurry and make it all okay don't even have to cash in our vacation days don't have to be dumb to take the week off start with your ponytail girl won't you shake it loose slip out of that dress strip off your troubles too go ahead and leave a trail for me to follow When 
And that is Derek Rattan. The song is called Take the Week Off. You can get that whole album at iTunes, and you can visit Derek online at DerekRattan.net. Uh, the CCMAs, along with that uh, Songwriter of the Year nomination for uh, Came Here to Forget, the big hit for Blake Shelton that you co-wrote with Craig Wiseman. Uh, the other nomination you're up for is Producer of the Year, along with your buddy Jason Blaine and Phil O'Donnell. That, of course, is uh, co-producing the album Countryside. Tell me about uh, producing that album. I know you produced some tracks on it, uh, along with Jason, and uh, it's a great album, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. And, and um, full disclosure, um, I, I feel a little... Uh, well, not silly being on that nomination, but I actually only produced the title track, and uh, and then Phil and Jason produced the rest of that record. But it's uh, you know, but I but I was you know very honored to be, to have that um, part, had a hand, have a very small hand in in the production of what what became that those twelve songs, you know. But um, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's J- Jason is you know Jason is a is a dear friend and, and, uh, I mean, a neighbor of mine <laughs> and down here. And, um, uh, and we, we, we love his family and get to see them, um, uh, pretty often. Um, right. but we've had, we've had a great, we've had a great run. I mean, as, as, as co-writers, um, he, um, I was introduced to Jason by a friend of mine from uh, New York state who actually ran into him up there when he was, working on his first album and um he he's been he's been great in that he's always sought me out and made sure that he and I have two or three co-writing days on our calendars when he's leading up to to recording a record which is very thoughtful of him to to always you know make the effort make the time to to sit down with me because he doesn't have to do that and and um you know, it's it's uh, we've had a we've had a good little run. It's it's been it's been fun with um, songs like um, "Well Cool," uh, which we got a mm-hmm. Sokan Award for last year, and they don't make them like that anymore. Which was a big, uh, which was a it meant a lot to him and and his family. Very very kind of a personal story to to him, and and then um, you know, "Rocket Country Girl" and and a few more, and and then, and then the countryside song, which was. Which is great, and and that song was was um, it's it's so funny, you know. A lot of the songs Jason and I have written have been ideas that either have just kind of fallen out in the room, or he's brought in very specific ideas, and I go, man, that's awesome, and and we just kind of put the nose to the grindstone and and write them. And as I recall, mm-hmm. and he may have a different memory, but as I recall, Countryside was one of those ones that we were we had this little piece of music and we were just kind of floundering around <laughs> looking for direction and the, <laughs> the the you know the girl showing off her countryside so to speak um kind of fell yeah. out in the room and it's always fun when that happens when it kind of organically somebody says something somebody says something else which makes you think of this which mm-hmm. makes them think of that and then all of a sudden you say this thing and you go oh well wow. oh, I haven't heard that song yeah. before that's pretty cool so um so yeah I was I was very very happy to uh, to be a part of that and and you're right it is a, it is a great record and um, you know I know Jason he's a hardworking hardworking guy so I'm I'm happy to see him having the success he's having and and uh, I think he had a great great summer touring in in Canada and uh, and I get to play countryside in my show because I wrote it and people love it so oh that's that's great <laughs> yeah it is 
<laughs> awesome. It, yeah, it's such a catchy song. I've loved hearing it on the radio and uh, any other place that I've heard it. And uh, got a cool, you know, about the girl showing off her countryside, but uh, the melody and the production on it is uh, very catchy. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was... Uh, I love it. That was... Uh, yeah, we, we recorded that at Ocean Way here in Nashville, which is a big, um, kind of a very... A studio with a lot of history in Los Angeles, and then they opened one in Nashville. And, and um, we were actually um, in the studio making a, a, a demo, and uh, and we ended up just cutting the record right there because we had this great band. And he looked at me, and I looked at him, and he was like, "This is like these are the guys I would call for my record." And I said, "Well, let's make it a record." And we just kind of regrouped and and cut the record right there on the floor and that's that's what you hear when uh when you hear countryside that's amazing it's such a great song as i said the album also has a dance with my daughter which has done so well for jason we Mm -hmm. talked about that song on the show and another great song you know on main street 1979 dance with my daughter you know the kind of songs that country music does so well with that kind of meaning and uh, eventually, as Jason said, becomes uh, the soundtrack to everybody else's memories. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a great uh, it's it's a real privilege to get to to do what we do, and and um, and hopefully, I mean that's the goal, right? Especially with with our genre. I mean, country music. The whole point mm. is to connect with people in a, in a real and, and honest way. And and I I've always tried on every you know on every record to have a song kind of kind of like not like main street but something that i kind of do record just for me you know um that mm. might be personal and i'm actually working on a, a new ep right now that um, i hope to have out um later later in the fall or maybe by christmas i'm kind of taking my time with it but but there's a song on there called years without you that that may be my favorite song i've ever written um, but wow. it's kind of in that Main Street vibe in that it's very personal. I lost my dad um, to a very sudden cancer diagnosis in November of 2014, and um, he was sick for two months and uh, and passed away. And and so as a as a creative person, you know, one of your outlets is 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 um, your art. You know, and in, in my case, that's that's songwriting and. And so I wrote this song um, with my friend James Slater, whose father, um, sadly and ironically, was was kind of in the last stages of his life when we started the song. And then when we finished it, his father had actually passed away. And uh, so we kind of wrote it about about our dads. And and same as Main Street, you know, I just kind of went, well, I don't care if anybody ever records this. It just it's it's personal to James and I and. And so we went for it. So that song's on the new EP. I'm excited for folks to hear that, and uh, as well as uh, as some of the other uh, things I've been working on. Great to know that there's new music uh, on the way from you, Derek. And uh, as you said, sometime later this year, perhaps uh, by December. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, again, you know, Dave, when you when you're kind of your own boss, like I am, and there's nobody cracking the whip. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's right. nobody going, hey, man, we've got to have this tomorrow. I, I could maybe use somebody doing that because I, <laughs> I'd probably be done by now. But, but yeah, I, without I'm, I'm kind of a control though. freak. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I'm kind of, I've always kind of been a control freak. Just ask anyone who was in a band with me in high school, you know. 
Uh, and uh, so, so the fact that uh, that I'm now uh, that I have uh, all this control is, is maybe not a maybe not a good thing for actually um, getting things <laughs> out there for people to listen to. But uh, but I'm I'm hopeful that the attention that I'm giving it is it's going to just mean that it will be a great quality record. Fingers crossed. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we know that uh, one of your great uh, friends, co-writers, and uh, duet partners, Dirk Spenley, uh, great songs you guys have, and uh, what was I thinking? But do you have on your uh, dream duet partner list, Derek, any female artists, any ones either on stage or uh, in the studio that you would like to record with? Oh, man. Um, gosh, that's a great question. I've I've actually never thought about that before. <laughs> uh, um, um, There's so many great country duets, as we know, you know, country pairings from Kenny and Dolly to, to on and on. So I just always find it interesting mm-hmm. who, you know, in this case, you would think would match with your voice. Yes. Yes. That's a, that's a great, that's a great one. Um, gosh. Um, I think that, uh, I have always long time loved um Amanda Wilkinson's voice and I mean she's she's such a great singer she would probably never cut a duet with me because uh you know her range is just phenomenal um but uh I think our voices might work well together um mm-hmm. Carolyn Don Johnson and I wrote a few songs uh years ago now but I remember listening to the work tape afterwards and going because I would be singing harmony with her and stuff and going Huh, maybe, you know. <laughs> Interesting. Um Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's 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 lots of them. I, I love uh I love this new Marin Morris girl who I who I don't who mm-hmm. I don't know. we have um her boyfriend is actually a friend of mine, but um but that that might be an interesting one. It's uh I don't know, man. You got me thinking now, Dave. This is some. This is something I should. <laughs> we should have had this conversation months ago. I should have done this on my new EP. I don't know what I was thinking. There you go. It could <laughs> well, now it's an idea. For maybe it's a Derek Rattan duet project uh, down the road with all the best females uh, out of country music. There you go. There you go. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Very forward thinking. Yeah, exactly. But those are great choices. Uh, Derek, uh, once again, just a pleasure to chat with you and to uh, get the insight behind the songs and, and just to hear all these different stories from your career. Thanks so much for uh, being here. Dave, it's always a pleasure. I just I so enjoy uh, what you do and, and our conversations, and it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. I do appreciate those kind words. My guest has been Ontario's own Derek Rattan. Of course, uh, you can get his music at iTunes and visit him online at DerekRattan.net. I'm Dave Woods, and that will wrap up this edition of In the Country. <laughs>